What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding BNG Podcast. Welcome back, Washington football team family. So, guys, I have some big news. It is finally game week. This is our first game week, and it won't be our last. We won't have another game this week until hopefully February, but at the earliest January. So we're going to give you a preview of how we're going to be running things during the season because, like I said, we're at game week, guys. We're at preseason week one. The Washington football team is set to go against the New England Patriots up in Foxborough, Massachusetts on Thursday evening, and I am so excited. So most of our episode today will be covering um, the game and things, looking into some pre views into some aspects of the game that we may be looking into but as I always do I want to give you some news and notes regarding the Washington football team that has actually come out um, since our last episode so to give you a timestamp today is Monday August 9th and it is about 3 p.m. so there hasn't really been a lot of news and notes regarding the Washington football team um, the latest news that came out yesterday was that while Curtis Samuel is returning uh, from the reserve COVID-19 list he'll still be a on that list um, because there isn't any timetable on his return. There was actually a tweet from Adam Schefter that came out after the press conference that Coach Rivera um, had yesterday where he said that there wouldn't be a timetable where um, Adam Schefter actually explained that the groin injury that Curtis sustained in many camps is actually what is delaying that return. So hopefully you know he's recovering from COVID and things like that and it's just a, a groin injury but I would like for him to return to the field as soon as possible. One thing that's scary to me is speed guys with soft tissue injuries. And we got to think, Minicamp was what, in late May, early July? So he's had about six to seven weeks since then to heal up, and he hasn't yet. So I'm very concerned about that. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to touch base on before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode is I want to talk about my Friday night football experience. So like I said, um, today is Monday, August 9th. So this past Friday, the Washington football team had an intra-squad practice this held at FedEx Field where it was an amazing turnout and I loved every aspect of the Friday night football. It was if it was just a glimpse of the game day experience, I cannot wait for it. As a season ticket holder, I am excited for the things to come. So just to give you some things that were happening at the Friday night football. So for the season ticket holders, we had like a catering event. Not a catering event, but we had an exclusive tasting event where we can taste all the um, new restaurants that will be coming into the FedEx Field concession stand program this season. And guys, let me tell you now. Please arrive to the stadium on an empty stomach or you will be packing on some pounds during this football season. There were a lot of tremendous dishes from the catfish nuggets to the hog wild sundae to the short rib. They gave you a plethora of options that I and I. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I almost stocked up. Hey, I, it was almost time for practice, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to make it down there um, eating all that food. Um, I got a chance to mingle with Doug Williams, got some pictures with Doug Williams, actually. And it was an overall great time. Once practice started, practice was ran officially. We saw a lot of splash plays from not only guys like Terry McLaurin and Ryan Fitzpatrick, but for some younger guys as well, like Deami Brown, um, the guy Tory McTire had a big day. Guys like James Smith-Williams actually showed up, and John Banks. Um, so Friday night football was an amazing experience. I see the guys like Jason Wright and um, Joey Kobe Pekovic, um, the vice president of guest experience for this Washington football team season. You guys are doing an amazing job, and I just wanted to give you guys a shout-out for that before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. So, 
Shout out to you guys. Friday Night Football was an amazing experience. And I cannot wait until the season opener. Week 1 against the LA Chargers is almost here, guys. It is almost here. Alright, so, but we do have another game that we need to entertain, so let's get down to the nitty gritty of this episode. I want to give you the five things that we're going to be looking for during preseason week one against the New England Patriots. So this is going to be something that we do throughout the season, guys. Like I told you guys before, I want to give you guys at least two podcast episodes per week throughout the season at least i just I, at the very least i want to give you guys a preview and a review but if i have more content as well we'll be pushing those out on our podcast and our youtubes as well so today is just a preview of how our episodes are going to go out throughout the season and i hope you guys like it i hope you guys enjoy as always please leave a comment please leave feedback review subscribe like comment everything we need your help we need your help because we want bleeding bng to be your number one source for the Washington football team. So today's episode, we're going to look at the five things that we need to look at going into the Washington football team's week one preseason matchup with the New England Patriots. So the first thing is, how long will the starters actually play? So you guys know that this preseason is different than the preseasons that we're used that we're used to. Um, those those uh, preseasons were four games, but due to the schedule change with the extended regular season, they cut back one game in the preseason. So we only have three games, and you know. The first game is tend, tends to be, you know, the guys warming up into the thick of things and things like that. But I'm curious to see how Coach Rivera and the rest of the coaching staff handles the guys during um, this preseason with it being a tad bit different. So Coach Ron Rivera has already said that the starters will play. But some things to look at is how long will a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's a 38-year-old, you know, quarterback going into his 17th, 18th year, how long will he actually play? And how long should he actually Actually play, and this is a question that is starting to spark my interest because during during practice today and throughout the last week, both Taylor Heineke, who got hurt in practice today, and Cal Island are you know they're injured right now. Now Taylor Heineke did come back, but a lot of people on the Washington football team beat just said that he didn't look like himself, and that's cause has caused some cause for concern for me going into Friday because. You know, we know that Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't going to get a, 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 a lot of slaps. And who is going to play behind him? Is he going to have to play one series and then Steven Montez get the entire rest of the reps for the entire game? That is something that we need to look for. Um, personally, I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick shouldn't play any more than one series, especially if that series isn't a three and out. And if we get to the, you know, plus side of the field where we get into scoring range, I think that that'll be enough for Ryan Fitzpatrick because, like he said this week, he's learning this offense better day by day, day by day. And, you know, like I mentioned a couple minutes ago, somebody entering his 17th year, he has seen a lot. He has seen a lot of the playbooks, concepts. He's seen everything that you can see possible as an NFL quarterback. So I don't think that he needs to see a lot of live game reps, especially in week one of the preseason. Um, so how, how long do you guys think that Ryan Fitzpatrick should play, and how long do you think he will play? Please comment. Um, your prediction below. So the other thing I want to look at as far as the starters play is how many defenders are actually going to play, especially our starters. So guys, I'm talking about like the four horsemen of the D linemen. How long is Jonathan Island going to play? How long is Deron Payne going to play? Is is Chase Young and Montez Sweat going to play? Yeah, Coach Rivera did say the starters will play, but he didn't really go into depth. So I'm leave, I'm leaving a keen eye out to see how 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 many reps these guys get and how many plays and how many series these guys get in. 
playing? Does William Jackson play? He's recovering from a Charlie horse and a thigh contusion, and he's one of our, you know, prize free agent acquisitions from this offseason. So does he actually play? And if he does, how long is he actually in? And the reason that this is so important to me, guys, is because the ultimate goal in preseason is for everybody to stay healthy. Everybody to stay healthy. So I don't want anybody that's going to be a big, impactful player. I don't want anybody on our roster to sustain a major injury, but just keeping it in a football sense, I don't want anybody that's going to have a huge impact on our performance in the regular season to be, you know, compromised due to something that happened during week one of the preseason. So I understand getting a rhythm. I understand getting your reps in. But at the end of the day, the ultimate goal in week one of the preseason is to stay healthy. So, like I said, I don't expect to see a lot of the defensive line. Because in that trench play, that's where you get a lot of guys getting rolled up on, a lot of twisted angles. Um, a lot of like it gets physical it gets nasty in the trenches and that's where you see a lot of the unexpected injuries happening and I, I just don't want that for our Washington football team especially for the strongest unit on our on our roster I would hate for that to happen so expect guys like Tim Settle, Deveray Lawrence, James Smith Williams, Casey Tuhill, William Bradley King, guys like that to get a lot of reps on the defensive side of the ball, especially on this week, um, week one against the New England Patriots. So that's the first thing that we're going to look at is how long will the starters play? Because Coach Rivera said that they will play. He didn't really go into depth on how long they will play. So that's the first thing that I want you guys to keep your eye on because we need everybody to come out of this matchup healthy. Number two. Does the Taylor Heineke and De'Ami Brown connection continue? Let me read that back. Does the Taylor Heineke and De'Ami Brown connection continue? So a lot of you guys that were at Washington football team, um, Friday Night Football, you saw De'Ami Brown's coming out party. But I was actually in training camp in Richmond, and he was doing a lot of the same things. He was abusing nearly every DB we had on the roster, and he was... He was, he was making big-time plays and winning in different areas of the field. Now, a lot of people, when Diami was coming out of college, said he was just solely a deep threat receiver. But he's winning in underneath routes, intermediate routes. He's winning whatever way you want to get it. He's giving it to you that type of way. And I can't help just to think of some of the comparisons um, to Terry McLaurin that we had in um, his offseason coming from his rookie year where he missed most of training camp and didn't play in any preseason games. But we heard that he, when he did practice in training camp, he was whipping everybody. And I'm seeing a lot of the same flashes from De'Ami Brown. He's having a stellar camp. You can follow anybody on the beat and they'll tell you about it. But the one thing that I noticed between the Friday Night Football and the um, – the sessions that I have um, observed in Richmond is that he has a very, very good rapport with Taylor Heineke. And uh, one reason that I think that is is because he knows how to find, you know, he knows how to break down and find the open spots in zones like that. And when you get a quarterback like Taylor Heineke, who is adept to extending the play, um, which is one of the reasons why I think he's struggling in training camp because, you know, a lot of those plays are blown dead early. He's finding De'Ami Brown. De'Ami Brown is undoubtedly Taylor Heineke's favorite favorite wide receiver at this point. Now, I know he's not working with Terry um, as much, and he hasn't had an opportunity to work with Curtis Samuel because Terry's working with the one. Curtis Samuel hasn't been on the field. But at this point, you know, um, De'Ami Brown and Taylor Heineke have been working with the twos, and they have been torching the twos. Oh, my goodness. And a lot of people, 20,000 people saw that at FedEx Field on Friday because it was the De'Ami Brown show all night long. I'm talking about in one-on-ones. I'm talking about in seven-on-sevens and 11 
11 on 11s. Like I told you, anyway, a DB wanted it, De'Ami Brown gave it to him. I saw him beat Benjamin St. Juice up top for a 40-yard deep pass. I saw him beat Jimmy Moreland on a dig route where he created five yards of separation. I thought this was a guy that y'all told me couldn't run routes out of the University of North Carolina, guys. We might have to check our, our film. We might have to go back and do some fixing of that evaluation because I'm seeing this guy win in a plethora of ways. I'm seeing this guy win in a plethora of ways. And like I said, it is the training camp, and you have to take it with a grain of salt. But the ways that he's winning, I see it easily translating on Sundays, like the way that we heard about Terry McLaurin in the 2019 offseason. These are two third-round wide receivers that I look that I expect to be the foundation and the staple of our offense. I expect us to have a very fast-break offense with a lot of the things that I've noticed and observed, not only at the Friday night football practice, but my three sessions observed at Richmond as well. I think that this team wants to go up-tempo and having a, a, a plethora of wide receivers isn't going to do anything but help that. Like a guy like Adam Humphreys, he's breaking out. He may start in that slot role, but then you can line a guy like De'Ami Brown on the outside along with Terry, and then you can have Adam Humphreys and Curtis Samuel in the slot picking up your favorable matchups. That's where we get those big explosive plays. When we get to pick out matchups and exploit and abuse those matchups, that's where we're going to have those fireworks that I expect our offense to have, especially with a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's going to throw it up, who's going to give you a YOLO ball every now and then, who's going to say, oh, Terry's down there, F it, let's try it. That's how Ryan Fitzpatrick is. So I expect a lot of big plays from this offense. But sticking back to the Taylor Heineken and De'Ami Brown connection for our reason number two or our point number two to look for during our uh, matchup with the New England Patriots. The reason I've mentioned these guys is because I think they're, they're going to get a lot of reps. You know, I don't think that Terry's going to get a lot of reps. Um, Ron already ruled Curtis Samuel out. Adam Humphreys is an older guy who's experienced a lot of injuries. So I don't expect him to play much in the preseason. So a guy like De'Ami Brown... And Taylor Heineke, who's going to have their fair share of reps, I expect them to have a huge preseason. Not only in week one, but in weeks two and three as well, because I expect De'Ami Brown to be an instant contributor. If you were at FedEx Field on Friday night, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So that's enough with De'Ami Brown and Taylor Heineke. Let's move on to number three. The third thing that I'm going to be looking for as the Washington football team matches up with the New England Patriots in week one of the preseason. I'm taking a keen look at the RB3 role, guys. And if you don't know what I mean by that, that's depth chart talk. I'm looking at who's going to be our third running back to make the roster. Who gets more snaps between guys like Lamar Miller, Peyton Barber, and Jared Patterson? Now, I know that I mentioned in my 53-man roster projection that I think that Lamar Miller is going to be the third running back on that rock, on that depth chart. And he hasn't done anything but solidify my reasoning behind that. I feel like he's been the third most dynamic running back behind Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick, who are locks. And if you if if you've seen what I've seen in my three sessions in Richmond and on Friday Night Football, Lamar Miller is next in line, guys. This is, a, like I've told you guys before, this is a guy who has had 1,000 yards rushing in the season. And, you know, he has had a couple of injuries and has fallen off since his Pro Bowl season in 2019. But, guys, it looks like he has that springiness and that sprightness back. I told you guys about that in training camp. And it looked like that at Friday Night Football when I got another opportunity to see him as well. He's somebody that shows good vision. He still has a lot of his speed. Even, even if he lost a step, this was a guy that was running 4 4 
four coming out of the University of Miami. So he had a step to lose, unlike a, a plotter like Peyton Barber, who is efficient with his carries, but he's not a dynamic type of back. And I know a lot of you guys like the local guy, Jared Patterson, and I love him as well. But one thing that I noticed during Friday Night Football is he didn't get a lot of reps with the ones, the twos, and elevens at all. At all, he did. I, I, I think I counted about two reps that he got in teams, which is kind of unfortunate because I was expecting him to be kind of like a breakout, breakout preseason candidate. And it's not too late; he still can. But it was kind of unfortunate to see the the sh um, the way that the split of the reps and the shares were broken down with Lamar Miller and Peyton Barber clearly getting more reps than Jared Patterson. I think that Jared Patterson provides more potential than a guy like Peyton Barber, but I think that Lamar. Miller has a stranglehold on their RB3 role right now. Um, Lamar Miller has shown in the past that he can catch out of the backfield. He can be a receiver, which is essential in this offense. Because you got to think, our two top Running backs are locks at the running back position are former college receivers. Um, if we look at Scott Turner, he had an interview with Grant and Danny earlier in the offseason where he said that he views a pass as a running back kind of like an extension of a handoff. So some people might come in a press conference and see that a running back only had eight carries, but if he caught eight swing passes, he looks at that as like 18 touches. So Lamar Miller is somebody that has the capability of doing that. I don't know if I want him doing that in a full-time role, but he's some Somebody that can provide some electricity electricity in a pinch, excuse me, Well, if a guy like Antonio Gibson goes down. And we don't know if Antonio Gibson is going to be able to survive a 17-game NFL season because he hasn't shown that yet. And he came back kind of slow during the turf toe injury. Now, I do want to mention in my last episode, I did say that, you know, he was kind of limping around and hobbling after a couple of plays in training camp. But he looked very explosive in what I observed on Friday during the Friday night football at FedEx Field. And that matches up with a, with a lot of the beat reporters were saying earlier last week as well. They said that Antonio Gibson was running with a punish and running style. Something that I saw last year, because even for a college receiver, this guy is 6'2", 230 pounds, and I saw him push a lot of pounds last year. I saw him dragging a lot of guys for two and three yards last year. So that is very promising. So the third thing that I'm looking for is who's going to take command of that running back three or that third running back roster. Right now, my favorite is Lamar Miller, but I'm expecting big things out of Peyton Barber and Jared Patterson as well because I, don't expect, I do not expect those guys to go down without a fight. So the fourth thing, this is one of my favorites. This is one of my favorites. The fourth thing that I want you guys to watch for as the Washington football team gets ready to match up with the New England Patriots in week one of the NFL preseason is watch who plays special teams, guys. Watch who plays special teams. Special teams is a huge indicator of who's going to make the back half of the roster. Guys who play all four coverage units, all four special team units, punt, punt return, kick, and kickoff return, those guys are the guys that I think are going to be, you know, the guys that lock up those last four, five, six, seven positions on the roster. You know, we have battles going on in the cornerback room. We have battles going on in the safety room. We have battles going on at the wide receiver position. So these are the guys that I actually think are going to affect who makes the roster, who makes that final 53-man cut. Some of these names that I want to mention is a guy like Troy Apke, who they've transitioned to corner. But I actually like Troy Apke in a special team ace role. He 
I thought that he was the best gunner on the Washington football team last year, getting down there very fast. And now while he not while he didn't always make the tackle, he slowed a lot of guys down. A guy like AGG, who I haven't seen play special teams through training camp, but he's battling with a guy like Kelvin Harmon. We've seen with a guy like Cam Sims that you need to play special teams, and if you show your worth and that phase of the ball, these guys will give you chances. Cam Sims didn't make the initial roster last year. He bought out when they bought him back week two during special teams, and by the end of the season, he was our second leading receiver. So these are the type of guys that need to make this, need to play on all four kickoff units, all four special team units to, you know, increase their chances of making the final 53-man roster. You know, we've talked about AGG and Harmon battling for that last big body receiver role, but they may not even, you know, that their, their route running, their catching, their wide receiver skills may not even be the reason why they do or not make the team. If I'm just being honest, it may come down to who's the better special teamer, who who is more available during special teams. So guys like, like I said, ADG and Harmon. I just mentioned the safety room where it's very competitive. I do think that Derek Forrest has a roster spot locked up. I think that Cam Curl and Landon Collins have a roster spot locked up. Right after that, I will put Bobby McCain right there as our fourth safety. So if we do keep five safeties, is it going to be Jeremy Reeves who has the ability to play that post safety in a or is it going to be a guy like DeShazer Everett, who's been our special teams captain for the last three or four years, who's our longest tenured Washington football team player along with Brandon Scherf? DeShazer Everett's been a guy who's had command of the locker room, who has command of that special teams unit, but he's missed a lot of days during um, training camp. I think the last day, I think the first day in Ashburn was actually um, his first day of practice, and when they were running a lot of teams on Friday Night Football that I observed, I didn't see him get in a lot. I saw Jeremy Ridge playing before him, and I saw Derek Forrest playing for him. You got to remember when Derek Forrest was brought in after the draft during his draft press conference, the coaches mentioned that he was the highest-rated um, special teams player on their board. They're not cutting a guy like that. So they may be bringing in a guy like Derek Forrest to be the younger DeShazer Everett and give you what DeShazer Everett gave you earlier in his special teams career when he, you know, when he smacked the Darren Smurls trying to catch that punt return. Dirty or not, he smacked that man. So maybe Derek Forrest can be your early or, or your younger um, DeShazer Everett, allowing you to or allowing a guy like DeShazer Everett to be expendable and possibly be that surprise cut that we all been talking about. Because the guys that I've mentioned before, I think all of those guys are making the roster. Um, John Bosick has actually surprised me a lot. Um, he actually had an interception against um, Taylor Heineke um, during one of the final sessions on Friday Night Football in the end zone. Um, so while he, while I don't think that he needs to be seeing the lion's share of snaps or 100% of the plays, I think that John um, Bosick's roster spot is solidified. But going back to special teams, other than guys like DeShazer Everett and Jeremy Reeves, our two defensive ends that we drafted in the uh, seventh round, William Bradley King and Shaka Tony. Which one of these guys is going to show out and ball out on special teams? Which one of these guys may have to give you that knockout big hit a la Terrell Davis style to have the coaches, to have that memory or that moment stick out in the coaches' minds or, oh no, nah, this guy, this guy needs to be, this guy needs to be here. Now, I'll probably give the edge to Shaka Tony just given his versatility as an off-ball linebacker, but he has missed the last couple of practices, and William Bradley King has consistently showed up. Now, the reason that I'm mentioning these two is because if you notice in Coach Rivera's press conference last week, he talked as if James Smith-Williams was our third defensive end, and I'm not mad at it. 
And James Smith Williams is somebody he played on all four kickoff units last um, last year, and even observing him in Richmond training camp as well as um, on Friday night football during the special team sessions of practice. He's a freak athlete. This guy's like 270, 280 pounds. I was pointing out to a lot of the podcast members. Shout out to you guys who um, we sat we sat um, a lot of the Washington football team podcast members sat and observed practice um, on Friday together. It was an amazing experience, but. I I pointed out to a lot of those guys was that um a guy like um excuse me <laughs> a guy like William who am I who was I talking about oh a guy like uh excuse me who was I talking about Live TV, excuse me. Oh, I'm t- mentioning a guy like um, Jeremy Reeves and DeShazer Everett. Those guys didn't see a lot of 11-on-11 11 11 time. They didn't get in a lot during the 11-on-11 11 11 and things like that. Um, and I was pointing out like guys like um, James Smith-Williams. That's that's where it was. Excuse me. James Smith-Williams was standing on the sideline, and he was just as big as Chase Young. And then he's a guy that's about 280 pounds running down on kickoff unit and punt unit, and he's one of the fastest ones down there. I had to bring that memory back. I got it all the way back. But Jay Smith-Williams is a roster lot. Coach Rivera in his press conference talked as if he was the third de- defensive end. He's like, oh, yeah, I expect him to be a very big contributor for us, a very huge impact player for us during this season. So he he showed no indication of, you know, his roster spot being in jeopardy. And I think one of the biggest reasons why is because he's such a such a gifted athlete that he's able to contribute on all four cover all four special team units and even more possibly extra point and things like that. So that was the fourth thing that we were going to look at during the Washington football team's matchup with the New England Patriots is who plays special teams and how many special teams plays do they get? How many special teams reps do they get? And the last thing, thing number five or item number five that we need to look at during the Washington football team's matchup with the New England Patriots during week one of the preseason of the 2021 NFL preseason is how does Coach Rivera manage game situations? I don't think that a lot of things can be translatable from the preseason to the regular season, but I think how coaches handle game situations and live game situations is one of those things that, you know, can be translated and we can see like the coach's outlook on philosophies and things and and clock management situations and things like that. While I do love Coach Rivera, I love his ability to galvanize guys, his ability to lead men, which I think is one of the most important aspects you need as an NFL head coach. I have questioned some of his schematics and his 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 clock management. If you go back uh, to the to the Giants game last year where he uh, decided to go for two rather than kicking the field goal and battling out in overtime, which I, I didn't necessarily knock because he thought that his team had a chance to win. But early in the season, you saw sometimes where he mishandled timeouts, like um, like the first half against the um, Cleveland Browns, where, you know, the clock management wasn't all the way there. Now, I don't know if that was because his mind was in a fog dealing with all that chemotherapy that he had to put up with last year. Thankfully, he doesn't have to go through that this season. And maybe, you know, he'll be more in tune to the game. Because you got to remember, this is a guy that was getting IVs during half time. So I can't even blame him for being out of it and not being aware of the, you know, clock situation and the game situation at all times. But hopefully with that out of the way, he's able to, you know, be more uh, aware of the clock situation, the game situations. He's able to call timeouts effectively and efficiently. And he uses all of his resources effectively and efficiently. This is one of 
the main under this is one of the underrated underlying underrated reasons that I love to look at the preseason because I get an understanding of the coaches' philosophies and things like that. So what what do they do? What do, what are, what do I expect them to do in two minutes when they're down four in a regular season game and things like that? How do they handle the clock? How do they handle two minute drills and things like that? What does the play calling look like during a two minute drill or during a two minute session and things like that? So the fifth thing to look at is how Coach Rivera, as well as his coaching staff, because it's not just a one man show, how they handle game situations. Hopefully, it's an improvement from last year. So that's it, guys. Like I said, it's going to be a short episode, but these are how the episodes are going to be going on throughout the NFL, um, throughout the regular season, guys. I'm going to give you a preview, and then I'm going to give you a review of the game, and hopefully, the things that come that happen that I talk about in our preview come to fruition, and we can go over it in our um, review. But that's just it. That's our wrap up for the Washington Football Team's matchup or our preview, our, our wrap up of the preview of our Washington Football Team's matchup against the New England Patriots for Week One. Of of the preseason like i said this is monday that game is happening thursday evening so we're three days away and i cannot wait football season is finally here so you if you enjoyed this episode please check out the bleeding bng podcast available on all podcast platforms we're also available and every episode is available on youtube as well you can search my name, Jalen Morgan, or you can search Bleeding BNG or Bleeding Burgundy and Gold. If you search any of those terms on YouTube, all of our content will pop up. I appreciate you guys with the feedback. Um, like I said, I spent a lot of time with the Washington Football Team podcast family during Friday Night Football, and a lot of people were telling me, bro, I love your insight. I love your analysis. They actually loved the episode that I did with the Burgundy Podcast Network along with my guy, Rio Robinson. So if you love Bleeding BNG, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. Subscribe to us on Spotify. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Comment on YouTube. I need all the interactions I can get, guys, because I love interacting with the Washington football team community. So that's a wrap for episode 23, our week one preseason um, preview, um, previewing the matchup against the um, New England Patriots. I cannot wait, guys. Football season is here. Please check out the please check out the Bleeding BNG podcast for more content because we're going to be pushing out these things daily. Uh, please check our social media pages if you're listening to us. It is at B L E E D I N G B N G on Instagram, and I'll leave that tag for anybody watching us on YouTube and on Twitter. It's at B L E E D I N. BNG. So it's only one G in our Twitter handle. And I, like I said, please tap into our social medias, guys, because that's where we post our content daily. We give you live training camp updates as soon as training camp ends. And I expect to give you more information in the future. So check into those pages. I appreciate you guys listening to this episode. And I'll check in with you later. Peace. <laughs>